What's up, boxing fans? This is Sides of Boxing with your host, JJ Sermon. In this podcast, JJ gives an in-depth analysis of nearly every fight, from undercards to main events. Now, let's get into the ring. What's up, what's up, what's up, boxing fans? So on this episode, I'm going to talk about some amazing fights that happened this past weekend that included Emmanuel Navarrete, uh, Jose Pedraza, as well as Tyson Fury. And I'm going to get into a little bit of some breaking news of the week. So let's get into it. All right, so to start things off, I want to talk about Jose Pedraza versus Jose Zabita. This fight was a pretty entertaining fight. Jose Pedraza is moving up to 140, which is the junior welterweight division. He came into this fight 26-2, and and Jose Zabita came into this fight 30-2. and So they both only had two losses to their name, and this was supposed to be a fight that they both can advance and try to get bigger fights in the future. I know Jose Zapita fought Jose Ramirez not too long ago, and he lost to get the title belt, so he could potentially get a rematch if he wins in this fight, and that's what he ended up doing for this fight. Jose Zapita ended up winning this fight with a unanimous decision and beating Jose Pedraza and improving to 31-2. and Jose Pedraza moved up to Junior Welterweight, as I mentioned before, but he lost, so now he's 26-3, and three, and he even mentioned he don't know what he want to do once he finishes Oh, after this fight because he moved up to see if he can have success at 140 in his first pro debut. At 140, he did not win, so he definitely has some questions he needs to answer with regards to his future, um, but that's mostly, mostly what I have to say about this fight. Jose Zapita just threw a lot of good shots. He moved around. He did exactly what he needed to do. He caught Pedraza with a lot of good shots when he was trying to move in and out of the pocket. But Zapita was just a better fighter overall, and that's how he ended up getting this win. Like I said, he improved with 31-2, and and I'm looking forward to him, whether he gets a rematch with Jose Ramirez or fight another good fighter at 140. Just looking forward to it because he's going to be a great contender and a great competitor with anybody he fights at the top of the junior welterweight division. Next, I want to get into the fight with Emmanuel Navarrete versus Juan Miguel Irode. This fight was really good. Emmanuel Navarrete came into this fight 28-1. I mentioned him in a previous podcast because he is fighting one month later. So he is now being very active. He's always been pretty active, but now, like, you know, fighting one month after you just won uh, and defended your title and you fighting right back again, that just talks to his consistency, his discipline, and his determination to prove that he's a great fighter. And he went against Juan Miguel Elorde, and he was 28-1, very good record. And they came into this fight uh, fighting at the Super Bantamweight division. So the Super Bantamweight, Super Bantamweight division is what they were fighting at. That's pretty much the 122-pound division. Emmanuel Navarrete uh, came into this fight doing exactly what he did when he fought uh, Francisco De Vaca. Came into this fight, threw a lot of good shots, pressured very well. Eventually, he took some shots from Elorde, but he eventually like just pretty much dominated the fight as he got to the third or fourth round. Fourth round came, and he just put the pressure on. Elorde couldn't take the power that... Uh, Neverete had, and it just became pretty much a, a overwhelming win. And the fight was ended with a TKO. And Emmanuel Neverete won the fight. He improved to twenty nine and one, doing such a great job, man, and being very consistent, man. I'm looking forward to him 
fighting more people, getting more, getting better with more competition because he is a very entertaining fighter. I like the way that he fights. He moves around and he puts that pressure. When I tell you he puts that pressure on these fighters and he be really swinging and he be throwing left, right, up and down everywhere. I mean, just everything, man. This is, I'm just saying that Emmanuel Neverete is not scared to throw hands. I know some boxers that do like to be more defensive fighters. And Neverete throws those hands. And he throws a lot of punches. And that's what he did this fight. That's what he did previously with Francisco DeVaca. And I think he's going to continue to do that. He just got to continue to work on his defense a little bit. Keep his guard up. But other than that, man, he's doing a fantastic job. And that's all I pretty much got to say about this fight. Now, let's get into the most important fight of the weekend, which included Tyson Fury versus Otto Wallen. This fight right here was a fight in which we all predicted that Tyson Fury was going to win, get a KO, because Otto Wallen was a fighter that nobody knew. It wasn't a lot of footage on him on YouTube. Didn't know who he was, his record. He hasn't fought anybody in the top 10 in the heavyweight division. We just assumed that Tyson Fury was cherry-picking. He just wanted to just get an easy fight so he can go into the fight with Deontay Wilder in 2020. This is what a lot of fighters, a lot of fans, we all predicted this was going to happen. And when the fight started, it changed all our perspective because it didn't go the way that cherry picking goes. It went the complete opposite. Ottawa came into this fight doing everything that he could, had a good game plan, and gave Tyson Fury a run for his money. Tyson Fury came into this fight 28-0 with only one draw, 28 wins. Uh, Ottawa came into this fight 20-0, so 20 wins, no losses. And they're both in the heavyweight division, which is with the big boys, the, the biggest division, arguably in boxing. When this fight started, man, 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 this fight did not go as we thought it was going to go. Especially for me. I thought it was just going to be easy. I want to say second to third round win. Like, he was just going to get him with a KO. But somehow, it shifted completely. And I'm going to be honest because Adam Wallen, I noticed in the first round, Auden Wallen, Came into this fight like he was ready to execute his game plan perfectly. And Tyson Fury came into the first round as if he came into the same way that he did with Tom Swartz. He used a whole five-minute, five, I'm going to tell y'all, five-minute walk-in introduction for Mexican uh, Independence Day. I mean, he spent five minutes walking around his ring. And it was just like such a big fiasco such a big spur to moment like he just wanted that attention for the Mexican fans and tried to at least gain their respect and I get it but he just wasn't really I don't believe he was that focused in this fight I don't believe that he went into this fight really saying that thinking that Otto Wallen was going to give him the fight that he got in this fight the reason I'm saying that is because when the first round started Tyson Fury just literally was just trying to fill it out. Like he was like he was playing around a little bit. Didn't take it serious. Otto Wallen was doing a lot of things that I liked because in his game plan, he was throwing shots, showing Tyson Fury different looks. He was throwing shots to his chest, throwing shots to the body. And he wasn't going for the head too much. He was just going around his Tyson Fury jab hand and he was just going straight to the chest. Go straight to the body. Go straight to the chest. Go straight to the body. He kept doing that and kept showing those different looks, but but kept going to those specific areas because the head can move, but the body gonna stay the same. It's not gonna move around. And he was going straight forward, and he was executing it, and he was throwing some really good shots. Second round came, and the same thing was happening. 
It was it was entertaining, a little second round. Tyson Fury still didn't pick it up too much. It was just kind of like a uh, Otto Wallen was just chasing him down, just finding them, trying to put him on the ropes a little bit, and just throwing a lot of, like I said, chest shots, body shots. Kept going back and forth. Every now and then he would throw a shot to the to the head, but mainly that's was his game plan. And then when round three came along, then something changed. Everything pretty much changed from that moment on. I would say, and Tyson Fury got hit with a left hand shot right on, right like above his eyebrow, right in that area, and he got cut. Tyson Fury got cut from a punch, not a head, but but he got cut from a punch. When I tell you the fight shifted dramatically from that moment on, it was already seeming very entertaining because Otto Wallen was giving Tyson Fury a run for his money. But when that cut happened, and then the commentators were saying that this was not from a headbutt, this was from a punch, that means if the fight stops, Tyson Fury would lose this fight, if I want to put it into content. If Tyson Fury, uh, the doctors would have went back in the corner and said that Tyson Fury cut was too bad, automatic loss for Tyson Fury and his belt is gone. Because it wasn't due to a incidental headbutt, it was due to an actual punch. So, with regards to that, this meant a whole lot because his cut was his cut was very deep. It, it looked like it got him perfectly around the eye. Blood kept flowing out as a keep, each round kept going on. It kept getting worse and worse and worse. And Tyson, uh, the cut man, did a great job of just putting the Vaseline and squeezing it and trying to get the blood out to make sure. But the more Otto Wallen kept hitting that, that cut, the more it kept going, getting bigger and bigger. And so Otto Wallen switched up his game plan. His his uh his trainer told him to just start going for that cut. If you go for the cut, he took a gamble. If you go for the cut and the cut keeps getting worse and worse, the doctors are going to have to call it off. And unfortunately, they didn't. They just kept fighting on. Tyson Fury got into attack mode, which is very entertaining because when he got into attack mode, he took over. Like, he started feeling like it was a pressure moment because – they thought the Tyson Fury's corner thought that it was from a headbutt, but then they informed them that it wasn't a headbutt. It was actually from a punch. So when they once they got that information, they took it way more serious. Tyson Fury went in attack mode, emergency mode. He went as if he was down in the points and he had to get a KO to win, and that's what he pretty much did for like four or five rounds. And he just went off, and that's kind of like in the later rounds. And then when we got to like around eight, nine, and ten around that that range. It seemed like Tyson Fury was going to KO Otto Wallen. Like he got really exhausted, and I want to say it was like round ten. He got really, 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 really exhausted. Now when he, I mean, I mean, he was just grappling. But that's one thing that Otto Wallen did very well is that he would hold Tyson Fury whenever he got exhausted. He would lean on the ropes and get some energy off those ropes and just keep himself composed enough to not fall down, but just to stay up and just let the time go by so he can regain his energy. And he did that. When round 11 came, Otto got his energy back, and he kept going back at uh, Tyson. Not enough, I would say, to win the round, but he definitely got his energy back. Enough to push for the last championship rounds, the last rounds. And then when round 12 came, I mean, Otto went all at it. And I thought when I thought that Tyson was just going to roll over these last rounds, but Otto came back. Round 12, he was had Tyson Fury hurt. Tyson Fury was hurt, and I, I believe it was due, due to Tyson Fury's cut. 
as well as him being exhausted for all the punches he was throwing in the later rounds. And Otto almost got him out of there, but it wasn't going to happen because it, it wasn't going to go the way that it, it should have gone because Tyson Fury has so much on the line. So many people had so much money invested in Tyson Fury, and it wasn't going to go the way that, that it was honestly supposed to go. And what I mean by that is, so Tyson Fury ended up making it through the 12th round, even though he was hurt. And then they had a unanimous decision for Tyson Fury in which they had it from 116-112, 117-111, and 118-110. I agree with the 116-112. I had Otto Wallen winning four rounds and Tyson winning eight, but... Nonetheless, they really picked picked correctly for unanimous decision for him because, like I said, it was a long spurt in which Tyson Fury just came back because he was in panic mode. He was in adrenaline mode because that cut was deep enough to the point where the doctors couldn't end the fight, but they didn't. I do believe that Tyson needs to stop cherry picking. This is why we do not, this is why boxers shouldn't cherry pick because you go into the fight automatically knowing you're going to win. That's an easy win that you're not going to get hit that much. You're going to just knock out the opponent really quick and do it in spectacular fashion, then move on to another fight that you really want to have. And this was a prime example of when a fighter that you try to cherry pick ends up fighting you a lot better than you expected and almost puts you out and almost gives you a loss on your on your record for the first time. And now I want to get into the breaking news of the week. This is the breaking news of the week. For the breaking news of the week, I just want to talk about one topic that happened that hit the headlines this week, and that was Canelo Alvarez confirmed new opponent which ends up being, drum roll, Sergey Kovalov. That's the next opponent that he's fighting, which we kind of already expected. The fight is confirmed for November 2nd for the WBO light heavyweight title that Sergey Kovalov holds right now. Canelo's moving up two weight classes, which is very difficult. That's why I can put that. But he can do it. And I'm looking forward to this fight because he got the short, stockier Canelo versus the older Kovalev, who still is putting up good fights, who's still fighting at a high level. So we'll see how it goes. Definitely the breaking news of the week. And that's pretty much what I got to say about that. Just confirming that they are officially fighting November 2nd. So tune in to that. And this concludes this episode of Sides of Boxing. I want to thank each and every one of you for listening all the way to the end. Be sure to like, subscribe, and leave a positive rating and tell a friend to tell a friend because I'm going to continue to put out great content for boxing throughout the entire year. So stay tuned and God bless.